Wednesday and give a little break in there. Um, if you're interested in Class 101, which is an intro to the Pinnacle family, just talking about discipleship and where that is, you can sign up. Also, 201 is after 101, and we're offering that coming up. So you can sign up for both of those. Read your program. There's so many great things in here that you can take um, a note about. And then uh, if you didn't know, there's a potluck after service today. And I always say it, but it's true. There will be plenty. So Sweet. whatever you came with or just yourself, there's food for you. So please plan to stay and fellowship with us. That'll be great. Um, and then finally, today we had some sick teachers and rearranging of classes. And so grade school kids, if you are six years old or older, six and above, you're going to stay with us today in the service. So little kiddos, you're going to head back with Miss Ruth, um, I think. Well, we'll see who we got. Yeah. Um, but grade school kids, stay with us today and take some notes. I'd love to ask you what you learned afterwards. That'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. Anyway, would you stand with me? We're going to pray and thank God for this morning, and then we're going to worship and celebrate him. So stand with me as we pray today. Let's thank the Lord. Yeah. Father, we're so glad to be here to worship you. Yes, Lord. Yes. Lord, thank you that this is the day you've made. Lord, we choose to rejoice in it. Yes, God. And Father, sometimes that's an outflow of just our expression with you. But sometimes, Lord, we need that rejoicing yes. because you're asking us to do it as an act of faith. And so we do that today. We rejoice in you. We look around and see all that you're doing, and we thank you, Lord. Father, we look at the troubles and the trials of this world, and we know even more that we need you. <laughs> and God, we ask for your protection, your mercy, your hand. Lord, thank you that you're sovereign and you're working in all the details, Lord. Even as wars and challenges around the world are happening, God, thank you that you are steadfast. Yes, you are secure. So God, today we come as your people to give you praise, to know that you meet us right where we are. Thank you so much for how much you love us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Every said, Amen. Let's rejoice in Him. Yeah. Yeah, you can put your hands together, clap. You got it. Come and stand before your Maker, full of wonder, full of fear. Come behold His power and glory, yet with confidence draw near. For the one who holds the heavens and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. Rejoice! Come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice! Sing the mercies of your King. Trembling, rejoice. Oh, we rejoice. We are children. We are children of the promise, the beloved of the Lord. One with everlasting kindness, but with sacrificial blood, bringing reconciliation. To a world that longs to know the affections of a father who will never let them go. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice. 
of your King, and with trembling rejoice, oh we rejoice. All our sickness, all our sorrows, Jesus carried up the hill. He has walked this path before us. He is walking with us still. Turning tragedy to triumph. Turning agony to praise. There is blessing in the battle. So take heart and stand amazed. Rejoice when you cry to him. He hears your voice. He will wipe away your tears. Rejoice in the midst of suffering, He will help you sing. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice, sing the mercies of your King, and with trembling rejoice. Sing that chorus out one more time. Rejoice. Rejoice. Come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice. Sing the mercies of your King. And with trembling, rejoice. so good so good there we go I got excited they didn't change the key and I'm like let's go <laughs> oh, so good to worship and rejoice in the Lord yes, yes. this song just declares that his promises are true the Bible says that they are yes and amen, amen. we learned this just a couple weeks ago so let's sing it out as a tribute and just a reminder of the Lord God we believe you today Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing. We declare. Savior, you have brought me near. You 
from the ashes you have broken every curse blessed redeemer you have set this captive free lord i can't help but sing he's faithful is your faithfulness I will rest sing I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness sing it again I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness Pastor Sykes is going to come lead us in the time of remembering after this, but you can take those elements. And let's just use this song as a chance to remember all that he's done for us. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. You sing it out, church, sing it out. And sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. 
You be seated, and uh, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. Let me say just a couple of things, and I want to read some scripture uh, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, but uh, this is not the Last Supper. <laughs> that came from a painting by Leonardo da Vinci, not the Lord. Go ahead, Bishop. This is the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Hey. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, at least two more times after Jesus was resurrected, he ate with the disciples. Yeah. And even that wasn't the Last Supper. In my mind, the last 
really big supper for us is the wedding feast of the Lamb. (laughs) And and I'm ready to go, all right? I've already got, I got my invitation. I've got my clothes. All right. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Okay. Now, let me stop the foolishness here. But uh, read about this sacred and special and wonderful event where we get to remember what the Lord did for us. He didn't need any of this. He did it all for us. What a price he paid. And he left us with this remembrance of what he did and the price that he paid. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, beginning down in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord Mm -hmm. that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, Mm -hmm. saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me and then we'll begin the cups. Lord, thank you for what you left us. Thank you, God. Not just this, but you left us eternal salvation. Yes, thank you, God. You left us grace. Yes. That will carry us through every moment of this life and right on into eternity. And God, as we celebrate this morning this wondrous event that you instituted for us, brand new. This is for your children. As we celebrate this, help us to realize and remember how awesome it is. And help us to glorify you in not only just this, but in all that we do yes. for you. May you get all the glory. Yes, God. Now, things have kind of changed. Uh, we now have the two cups together. <laughs> it, uh, COVID uh, <laughs> changed a lot of things in this life. Probably shouldn't have changed any of them, but it did. But... Uh, we do it a little differently, but it's it's easy. I like it. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not I'm not disappointed uh, in it at all. But uh, you have two cups there, and in one of the cups is the bread, and we're going to, as the Lord taught us, we're going to share that first, and then after that, we will share the fruit of the vine, which represents His precious blood. The bread represents his broken body. Horrible. Uh, Even that was a miracle in that not a bone of him was broken. In all of that, because the normal ending for that was to break the leg bone to make sure they were dead. And that didn't happen. So even there, the miracles just keep shining and shining and shining. So let me read for you in verse 23. For I received from the Lord, this is Paul talking, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night Mm 
in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take and eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me pray with me please Lord bless this bread yes, Lord. that represents your broken body broken for us Lord and help us always to be aware and grateful for the awful awful price you paid on Calvary so that we can have eternal life bless this bread now we pray in Jesus name share with me please and then in the same manner The Bible says, after supper, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, that covenant of grace and mercy and salvation in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Join with me, please, as we pray. Lord, bless this fruit of the vine that represents your precious, sinless, soul-winning blood. God, help us always to remember the awful price you paid on Calvary with this blood that we might have eternal life with you. Thank you, Lord. And I'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Please partake with us. God bless you. Amen. If you'd like to pass your cups to the center aisle, we'll come pick those up. You can just pass them in, stack them up. Yeah. Let's, Let's celebrate his goodness by just using it as an outflow as we sing this out to him. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, oh, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God sing it out church all my life all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend Oh, I have lived in the goodness of God Oh, my Oh, my life, you have. 
take your seats as you do kids little kids you can go to your class if you're six years old and above today you're staying in the big kids service or the big yeah you're staying in with the adults today so if you're a, a grade school kiddo you are here with us and so if you need a note page we can bring that to you as well but if you are a little one today you could head on back with miss ruth Welcome you all, and as, as we take out your notes, it's been a rough week for my computer, it's been a rough week for my printer, and so there were, there were lots of mistakes that had to be corrected and redone, but they weren't all redone, and so some of you will get a, a, your notes out and it'll have the wrong title on, on the notes, but it'll have the right passages and everything else. So... Just stuff like that happened this week, all kinds of stuff to keep us humble and uh, to keep us trusting in Him. But it'll still work, I think, today. And uh, we, we're focusing today on Paul's message of joy in the ministry. And before we dive into this and look at all the details of it, I want us to read the passage and so we're going to read it, and it'll be up on the screen, and you can follow along in the New Living Translation. 
from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 26. Paul writes and he says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and speak boldly God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know that I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will honor, bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help you all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come again to you, I will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for Paul's declaration of joy. Lord, this is a huge passage and we're covering a lot of detail, and we just pray that you'll help us to understand the real point of what Paul is saying. Help us to grasp it. Help us to get it. And we thank you, Father, for it. Thank you for your message. Thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. 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 You know, one of the greatest measures, one of the greatest measures of a Christian's spiritual maturity is what it takes to rob him or her of their joy. Of their joy. What is it going to take to destroy the joy in your life? Does it take a lot? Does it take a little? What is it going to take? You see, not even difficult, unpleasant, painful, uh, life-threatening circumstances could rob Paul of his joy. Nothing could take his joy away from him. 
In fact, his joy increased in the midst of all of that. Even though this gift of joy that God gives us from him is to every single believer and it's administered by the Holy Spirit within us, it can be thwarted by sin in our lives. Sin that destroys his or her fellowship with the Lord. Sinful attitudes like dissatisfaction, bitterness, emotional sullenness, doubt, fear, negativism. They can all cause joy to be forfeited. As a result, the only way to restore joy in your life is to repent of your sin and return to the worship of and the obedience to God. Keeping joy alive, keeping joy thriving in your life depends on how you see life, how you look at life, how your eyes perceive life, the whole picture, how you define your purpose, how you define your existence. What is it that motivates you? What is it that keeps you alive? Why do you do the things that you do? I know you work here, you work there, you do this and you do that. And most of you would say, like, like I would have to say, I'm not Paul, you know, I'm not in prison. But what drives me? What causes me to get up in the morning? What causes me to go to sleep at night looking forward to a new day? So many live their lives on the periphery. So many live their lives on the edges of what might be, on the edges of what Christ desires. As a result, a change in the worse in their health, a change in the worse in their job, in their finances, a change in more conflict relationally. Other areas as well of life can cause believers to question the Lord and his sovereign plans for them. When this happens, joy is one of the very first casualties of your walk with God. Remember, in this life, trouble is certain to come. And it's not going to give you a warning. It's not going to give you a phone call and say, just wanted to give you a warning. There's no beepers on your phone. There's no alarm system. You got 10 minutes, straighten up, pull it together, get strong because here it comes, you know. None of that. It just shows up. It just shows up. Jesus himself reminded us in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You're going to have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Paul also revealed what his life was all about. Paul gave us a glimpse of what it was that made him get up and move forward and do the things that he wanted and desired to do. He gave us a little taste of of how joy was maintained in his life, and how joy grew in spite of all the challenges that he faced. This is important if we're going to understand his message of joy in the ministry. You see, even though you're not Paul, 
you can have the same motivation that Paul had. You can have the same desires. You can have the same passion that Paul had. Paul's passion, we'll give it to you in a nutshell in a minute, but Paul's passion was to see the gospel advanced. He loved Jesus. He loved what Jesus came and did. He loved that moment when he was on the road to Damascus as he looked back on it, when he was confronted by Jesus and Jesus said to him, don't you know who you're persecuting, Paul? And he came to his senses and he came to life in Christ. And so the Apostle Paul was so tuned in and he was so desirous that other people would know the gospel, that this gospel would spread and it would grow and it would advance and it would go all over the world and people would know about Jesus. And so he went with, with Barnabas at, at first and started on his missionary journey and he went with others as well and he traveled all over the place to tell people about Jesus and to start churches in all of the places that are noted in the scriptures. It wasn't, it wasn't so much that he was a church planter, it was that he was preaching the gospel and churches were planted as a result of that. So it's important for us to remember today that if your desire is to see the gospel proclaimed, whether you work in a factory, whether you work in the office, whether, whether you work in a job that doesn't even, it doesn't even have anything to do with the church ministry or the gospel, the gospel can still be the passion of your lives. You can say, I am here because I am a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what he lived for, Paul was willing to die for. It didn't bother him that he was currently in prison. And by the way, he was in prison for two years before this in Caesarea. And then they took him to Rome and put him in two years again prison. They moved him from the Galogs into a private residence. And he was there attached to the Praetorian Guard who were watching him day and night and watching over his life. Amazing. He couldn't, he couldn't think, he couldn't study, he couldn't sleep. He couldn't do anything, think about it. He couldn't do anything without being attached to a Praetorian guard, the special elite guard of the Roman Empire. And by the way, it wasn't just a small little handcuff thing. It was like a handcuff on one end, and then it had a real long, 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 long line to another one that was attached to the wrist of a Praetorian guard. But the Praetorian Guard was always in hearing distance. They were a they were a uh, they were a captive audience to Paul, and so Paul could preach, and there they were listening to him preach, and teach, and so on. When people came to visit Paul, they heard everything he said. They heard everything he was all about. See, it's not a bad thing if everybody hears what you talk about if it's about Jesus. You don't have to hide a thing. It can all be out in the open. So let's start off today by looking at point number one, joy as administrated by, as demonstrated by the Apostle Paul. So Paul woke up, lived, died his whole life focusing on the gospel, focusing on Christ. And in focusing on Christ and focusing on the gospel, it increased his own joy. Joy comes from God when you become a Christian. Joy is empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
And joy lives in us to overflow. We talked about it last week. But this week I want to say that as long as Christ is the focus of your life, joy will increase. If Christ is not the focus of your life, your joy will decrease. You'll be surprised by life in a negative way if joy decreases. But if joy increases, nothing will surprise you. It'll all be a blessing. None of it will be a curse. All of it will be, as Paul says, part of the plan of God. As we know, all things work together for good. So let's look at Paul's verse that he used here in Romans 15, 30 to 33, talking about Rome. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you through our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love that the Spirit creates to join me in my struggle. Pray to God for me that I'll be rescued from those people in Judea who refuse to believe. Pray that God's people in Jerusalem will accept the help I bring. Also pray that by the will of God I may come to you with joy and be refreshed when I am with you. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Verse 21 of Philippians chapter 1 simply reflects and details Paul's life message. He said, write this down right there, write this. For me, for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He challenged us to live the same way he did, to have the same attitude that he did. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he declares, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Again, I say to you, you're not Paul. You're not a preacher. You're not a teacher. But whoever you are, whatever you are, you can be a bearer of the gospel. Your life can matter because the gospel is being communicated. You you can look for open doors. You can look for open opportunities. You can constantly be aware of that. You see, it wasn't about Paul per se. None of it was. He wasn't all that concerned about reaching the end and getting for himself some gold medal. He knew that there would be crowns awaiting him. That's a whole different story. And there's crowns awaiting you as well. But for the Apostle Paul, it was all about Christ. For you, it has to be all about Christ. For me, it has to be all about Christ. Christ and Christ alone. Point number two tells us that Paul had joy. Paul had joy as long as the gospel is advancing. You know, Paul got all excited as long as the gospel was advancing. If the gospel wasn't advancing, he was really disappointed. So Philippians 1, 12 to 14 reminds us of this. He says, brothers and sisters, I want you to know, I want you to know, I want you to get this, that the things that have happened to me have actually advanced the gospel. 
The whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else knows that I'm in prison for Christ. Most of the brothers and sisters have had more confidence to the Lord to speak the word boldly and bravely because of my jail time. I want you to think about this. He says, I want you to know. I want you to know. In other words, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Or I want you to understand this. There are multiple passages of Scripture in Colossians and Ephesians and so on in Romans where, where Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to get this. This is one of those passages where Paul says, I want you to get this. I want you to understand. You see, Paul was not bitter or discouraged by his circumstances. Really? He wasn't discouraged or bitter about his circumstances. He rejoiced in his circumstances because of the advancement of the cause and the gospel of Christ. Because of the advancement of the cause and the gospel. Advanced is the word progress because of the progress of the gospel. And progress is prokope. This word describes not merely moving ahead, but moving forward against all the obstacles. Now, I, I, I don't know how many weeks ago, months ago maybe, I was watching a, a kind of a historical description of some of the military operations in Vietnam. And they had one that they were showing how the special military unit that supposedly, quote, didn't exist had gone on before and ahead of the military, and they were making an advance trail. And they were going through and cutting through the machete and cutting through the trees and so on, and making this pathway and this trail so that later on the army could then follow. Anyway, they went through this, and they were doing it and doing it and doing it and doing. They were procoping a way. They were advancing a way a hard way through the difficult trenches of Vietnam. Anyway, this is a side note, but they got through making the trenches and they came to a wide opening and they were surrounded, surrounded and surrounded by Viet Cong. And they didn't have anywhere to go. And then another unit, a tank unit, decided to come in without orders and save them. So they came through the same trail they just made and came flying in there and saved them, and so they were able to hang on the hang on the tanks and make their way out. It was really kind of cool, never saw anything like it. But anyway, Procope, it's advancing the cause, but it's not just kind of like casually, I'm making my way to LA or I'm making my way to downtown. It was not something you could do casually. They they had to fight the good fight of faith, as Paul talks about. Along the way, there were trials and tribulations and difficulties that they had to face. So it was a dense, dense underbrush that they had to fight. And Satan was constantly against them. Paul knew this. So was the world. The world and Satan were against them and not wanting them to make that trip and not wanting them to make that way, not wanting to, them to make this path to advance the cause. So it's important for you to remember it might be tough where you are. It might be really difficult where you are. 
you might find yourself in a spot in terms of where you work and the people you work with where it's really hard, but that's okay. Remember, the advancement of the cause isn't like a picnic. It's not like a birthday party. It's a military operation. And you're going to face the odds of the military operation. And the guns and the, and the, the uh, bullets of the enemy will be against you as you make that trek. So it was advancing the cause, but you'll notice in this passage we read, the cause was being advanced outside the church and the cause was being advanced inside the church. Paul says in verse 13, he talks about through the Praetorian Guard, through the Praetorian Guard who were chained to him day and night, it was advancing within, within the outskirts of the church. The Praetorian Guard were coming to Christ in fact, Paul talks about how so many of them had come to Christ that all throughout Rome, they knew about Paul. Amen. They knew that he was there. They knew what he was about. They knew what his message was. And many of them had come to Christ themselves. Or in verse, verse 14, he says, you know, through the brethren, as a result of my life and my experiences and my circumstances, as a result of my difficulties, Paul says, they have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So they were getting bolder in the church, getting bolder out of the church, hearing the word and making changes and proclaiming the gospel. So it was being advanced. And Paul was all excited about that. You know, he's sitting there, he's tied to a Praetorian guard and he says, you know what? My life couldn't be better. Seriously? Yeah, Paul could say, my life couldn't be better. I got people on the outside here that are hearing about Jesus and it's growing all over the place. And I got people in the church getting bold about Jesus because of my situation. How much better could it be? Would this happen if I was with you and not in prison? I don't, I don't know. God is sovereign. Anyway, it leads us to point number three that Paul would tell us he has joy as long as Christ is being proclaimed. He has joy as long as Christ is being proclaimed. In Philippians 1, 15 to 18, the Bible says, and most of, uh, most of the brothers, most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry but others from goodwill. Now, before we go on any further, let me just mention, some preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Did you notice that Paul, when he writes, he talks about a group of people called the Judaizers. He talks about a group of people that twisted the word of God and they were, they were preaching and teaching false teachings. And Paul said they, 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 they talk about the gospel, but it's not the gospel. They've messed with it. But here in Philippians, he doesn't say any of that. He's not talking, he's not talking about people who twist the gospel. He's talking about the attitude of, the, of those who were preaching. He said, some preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Envy and rivalry against the Apostle Paul. So even within the church, you can have this silly thing that going on. He says, some indeed preach from envy and rivalry, 
but others preach from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? What then? Before we go on, thinking of afflicting me in my imprisonment. He's already there. We just want to add a little more pain to this guy. Want him to suffer a little more. Want him to have sorrow in his heart. Why is that? Well, you've heard these stories before. You've read the book of Job. Job had some friends. Paul had some friends too. They weren't very friendly. But they had people that were talking about them as though you would not have the kind of situation that you have in your life if it wasn't for sin. You know, the reason Paul was where he was was because he did something wrong. You know, he, he was in sin and that's why he ended up in prison. But Paul says only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. In spite of his distractors, Christ was being proclaimed. These were believers who insinuated that Paul's circumstances were the result of sin in his life. You know, if you would just straighten up, you wouldn't have that problem? That kind of attitude? No. It was a sovereign work of God to put him there. So they were using the circumstances to discredit him. They were using his circumstances to promote themselves. Paul's not here. He would be here, but because of sin, he's there. I'm here, so I'll take his place. And I'll preach for Paul. I'll teach for Paul. There was a lot of, there was a lot of monkey business going on, a lot, of, a lot of fighting for position and a lot of, a lot of involvement that way. Paul's attitude was not to get upset about what they were saying about him, but they were but, but, but what they were saying about Christ. I find this absolutely amazing. He didn't get all disturbed and all upset and all mad. He didn't turn around and say, well, I'm here not because of sin. What's wrong with you? You know that. You know I haven't done anything wrong. He didn't do any of that. He just turned around and said, you know what? Christ is being preached. That makes me excited. That makes me excited. They were proclaiming Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. So Paul says, hallelujah for that. No matter what you say about me, no matter what you say about my circumstances, no matter what the pain, no matter what the hurt, no matter what the sorrow, none of that matters to me. What matters to me is Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. He's being proclaimed. So you can have the same attitude, you know, you... You spend 20 years working somewhere, sharing the gospel. Nothing happens, and then somebody comes in. He's only been there two weeks. He's a co-worker, brand new, and he leads them to Christ. You know, you can say, well, what's the deal? I've been here 20 years telling this person about Jesus, and you come in in two weeks and lead him to Christ. Instead of getting all bummed about that, you should just say, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know sometimes, you know, we have five kids. I Sometimes we sit around 
and they tell stories, and even they tell me, Pat, Bob, Dad, this is you. T- you said this. I got it. And I'm thinking that's wonderful. I only told you for 20 years. <laughs> I don't say that to them. I just rejoice that they got it. Their eyes are open, they see it, they feel it, they believe it, they walk in it. See, they were doing this out of envy and strife, and Paul was not concerned about that. Paul wasn't looking for sympathy. Paul wasn't looking for, feel sorry for me, people. Feel sad for me. He wasn't sullen. He wasn't disappointed, none of that. He was teaching the Philippians that the message of Christ needed to include right motives and right doctrine. That's why it's even here. But he goes on to say, you know what? If the motive is wrong, if the doctrine is right, the conclusion is I still have joy because Jesus is being proclaimed. You know, you can go listen to someone who's, who's a charlatan, but they're a good charlatan. In other words, their, their teaching is based on doctrinal truth. They may not be living right. They might have the wrong attitude. They might think that there's somebody really special and they're just not. But the gospel's being preached. So we rejoice in that. In fact, you know, when I was a lot younger, a long time ago, uh, in my teens, 18, 19, and so on, I used to wonder sometimes, you know, we'd have evangelists and stuff, and I and think, and people would come to Christ, and I'd think, man, what is the deal? How is it that they can come along and, and just come show up for one night, preach the word, and people get saved, and I've been doing it every day, every week, every Sunday. Well, thankfully, I learned a little bit here and there and realized that You know, the issue is Christ is proclaimed and you never know when and you never know where and you never know how God is going to get the message across to someone. You know, I knew the gospel long before I ever came to Christ. But I'm so thankful that I finally came to Christ. Proclaimed is the word katangelo. Katangelo. Cantangelo refused to announcing or declaring something with authority. So whether the gospel was being proclaimed by jealous, hurtful preachers or by those who were faithful and humbly preaching the gospel with pure motives, it was being proclaimed and it bore fruit and Paul rejoiced. Paul rejoiced. Can you get excited about that? Or are you going to get stuck in the weeds? If your life is living for something else, you're going to get stuck in the weeds. You don't understand it. You may not even get it. You don't have joy. You don't have focus because joy is focused on Christ. So point number four cuts to the heart of Paul. Cuts to the heart of Paul. When Paul says joy, he has joy as long as Christ is magnified and honored. As long as Christ is magnified and honored. Philippians 1, 19 to 21. He says, Because I know that your prayers and the help the Spirit of Jesus Christ gives me will cause this trouble to result in my freedom. 
He says, I am full of hope and feel secure that I will not have any reason to be ashamed. I am certain I will continue to have the same boldness to speak freely that I always have. Look at this line. I will let God use my life to bring more honor to Christ. It doesn't matter whether I live or die. To me, this is so important. The only important thing about living is Christ. And even death would be far for my benefit. As long as Christ was glorified through his life, Paul was full of joy. Full of joy. It didn't matter to Paul if he was imprisoned, if he was maligned, if he was facing possible execution, as long as the gospel was being proclaimed. His life mattered because the gospel was being preached. His life mattered because the gospel was being preached. His life mattered because he could preach the gospel. Does your life matter because you can preach the gospel? Does your life matter? Are you honoring Christ by your constant, overwhelming compulsion to preach the gospel? I don't mean you have to turn into Paul. I don't mean you have to be a Billy Graham. I don't mean you have to do any of those things. Nobody's going to make you like God made you. You're distinct. You're separate. You're unique. Amen. But use it. Don't abuse it. Take it out there into the world and share with other people as God has made you. As long as Christ was glorified through his life, he was full of joy. It didn't matter to Paul if he was in prison, maligned, facing possible execution. He was more concerned about whether Paul was able to preach and if the gospel was being preached. He said toward the end of verse 20, he said, I will let God use my life. I will let God use my life to bring more and more honor to Christ. It doesn't matter if I live or die. Do you have that same sentiment? Do you have that same conclusion? I will let God use my life. Whether I live or die, let it be up to him. Again in verse 21, he emphasized his purpose in life. When he wrote to me, the only important thing about living is Christ. And even death would be for my benefit. You know, Paul was confident in the prayers of the saints. Confident in their prayers. Paul was confident in the provision of the Holy Spirit. Paul was confident in the promises of Christ. Paul was confident in the plan of God. And so finally this morning, point number five says that Paul had joy as long as it is benefiting or building up Christ's church. Think of it. He had joy in the advancement of the cause. He had joy in the proclaiming of the gospel. He had joy if people outside were coming to know him. He had joy if people inside were growing and becoming more committed to sharing this gospel. And so here he says in Philippians 1, to 26, as long as it is benefiting the body of Christ, building up the church, I have joy. 
Look at what he says. I don't know what to choose. I could keep on living and doing something useful. <laughs> it is hard choice to make. Hard choice to make. Maybe you're at retirement and you can just choose. Well, I don't know what to do. I can just choose. Or if you're not at retirement, you've got a job option and you have multiple choices, you could say, I don't know what to do. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what you do, it matters why you do it. Amen. It matters the motive behind which you're doing it. He says, it is hard, it is a hard choice to make. I want to die and to be with Christ. Because this world would be much better. But because this would be much better. But then he says this, but I know that all of you still need me. This is why I'm sure I will stay on to help you grow and be happy in your faith. Then when I visit you again, you will have a good reason to take pride, great pride, in Christ Jesus because of me. I can't leave yet. There's more of you that have more of a need for me. So I'll stay. I'll hang out a little while. I'll do what I can do. I'll do what I can do. See, he lived his life in order to spread the gospel and build up the body of Christ. In other translations, he says, to live on in the flesh, to live on in the flesh. It has nothing to do with living a sinful life in the flesh. It has to do with living your physical life in the flesh. I'm still here, I'm still living in the flesh. He lived his life because he knew that he was benefiting and building up the body of Christ. It is so critical that we understand why we're living and why we might die. And when we die or while we're living, what are we living for? And what are we going to die for? You know, a lot of people die for nothing. Don't die for nothing. Die for Christ. But even more important than that, don't live for nothing. Live for Christ. Amen. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about one of the first missionaries that was ever set out by, by the American people years and years ago, Adoniram Judson. And he went to India with his wife. And there in India, he ended up in prison for about a year and a half. His wife and kids got sick with disease and so on and died. He could have just left. He could have just come back to the States. But he didn't. He kept working. He kept putting together what became for them a method of reading and understanding the Bible. Giving them a dictionary for them to use. Adoniram Judson gave more to the Indian people and the Indian culture than anyone ever gave them. And he lived there and gave them years and years and years of his life. He could have wanted sympathy. He could have want, come back and wanted a little party. No. He stayed there. Or it reminds me also of... Uh, of Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot, who was called by God to go to the Alka Indians. 
cannibals. And he gave his life there. But before he gave his life and before he went to the field, he wrote in his journal, he said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. To gain what he cannot lose. So my question today is, what are you living for? What are you willing to die for? You know, if you want to be miserable, live for yourself. Live your life for yourself and you'll be miserable. If you want joy, live for Christ. You know, if you live for Christ and you want joy, then the things that people say, I kind of remember that phrase, you know, like water off a duck's back. I just think so many times we need to be the same way. Things that people say, just let it go. Just let it go. You know, most of the time when you hold on to stuff that other people say, it'll destroy you long before it ever hurts them. Half the time they don't even have a clue that they said it. Half the time they're so insecure and insensitive that they don't even know what's happening. So don't embrace that. Embrace the fact that that same person can tell the gospel to somebody else and Jesus can come into their lives. So remember these four things today. They represent the focus and the purpose of the Apostle Paul's life. Advance the cause at all cost. Advance the cause. Whatever relationship you are in, advance the cause. If you're in a relationship that's not advancing the cause, that's not communicating who Jesus is and what he's all about, Change what you're communicating or change the relationship. If you're in a job where you can't do that, find another job. I've been told there's a lot of jobs. Somebody was asking me, Bob, you're getting old. What are you going to do? I thought about it. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. I don't know what else to do. This is what God's called me to do, so I do it. Just because I retire doesn't mean I'm going to go and buy an RV and go fishing. Just because I'm old enough. No. Advance the cause of Christ. Second, proclaim the gospel with every opportunity. Proclaim the gospel with every opportunity. That means you don't need to have everything memorized. It doesn't mean you have to know all the answers to all the questions. It means simply this. Kind of reminds me of the scripture. You know, they came to the guy that Jesus healed. And they said, who did this? He said, I don't know. The guy named Jesus, he did it. Hmm. That was enough. So what's up with your life? I don't know. It's Jesus' fault. 
I am what I am by the grace of God, Paul said. It's Jesus' fault. So advance the gospel, proclaim the gospel. Thirdly, honor Christ in your life and in your death. Let him be glorified in your life and in your death. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. However you live, live to the glory of God. Whatever you're struggling with, remember that your struggles are an opportunity for you. It changes other things in your life, but it opens up other opportunities. So look for those opportunities. Ask God for those other opportunities. Ask God, give me eyes to see so that I can glorify you with my life. And then finally build up the body of Christ. Don't cut it down. There's plenty of people out there that are church cutters. You know, you can get lawn cutters, tree cutters, church cutters. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, they just don't understand and they're just cutting at the church. Well, Paul, Paul says there's no need for that stuff. There's plenty of that going on. Build up the church. So advance the cause, preach the cause, honor Christ, and then finally what? Build up his church. You do those four things, I guarantee you, you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for Paul's life. We thank you for his discipline. We thank you for the, the life that you gave to him and the things you led him to do. And we pray, Father, that we too might be willing to live in that same way for Christ. Father, grant to us a very simple definition to life. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't have that, anyone here that has not yet embraced that, anyone who doesn't have that as a purpose, Father, may they right now embrace Christ and give that purpose. So just before we pray, I'm going to pray, but is there anybody here that wants to, several things. One, receive Christ as Savior. Just look up and look at me. And then secondly, any of you want to just raise your hand and say, you know what? I live in a miserable situation, but I'm going to change it this week. I'm going to live for Christ. Let Christ be honored in my life. Raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Amen. 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 Father, we pray that you would glorify yourself through these lives we pray father that you'd be honored by each one in a special way immediately we pray in jesus name amen we're going to stand and end with a song that declares the why so would you stand this is why we get to stand victorious why we get to declare the gospel it's all because of what jesus did sing this with me how great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. 
is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ. Seal the promise, your buried body began to breathe. Amen. And of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Amen. Let's sing that again. Then came the morning the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the warring lion declared the grave has no claim on me Jesus yours is the
God, we choose to live for you this week. Yes, Lord. God bless you. Hey, just a reminder that we have a potluck after service, so we're going to set up some tables as we fellowship, um, and then we'll pray once the food's all set out, and we'll eat together. So plan on staying. So glad that you've been here this morning. So God bless. Mm -hmm. Woo <laughs>